Welcome to episode number 37 of That's a Wrap. talking about the Marvel Universe uh, in segment one, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, in segment two, we're talking about Daredevil, the Netflix Netflix's Marvel's Daredevil, uh, because we thought it was worth talking about on its own. Uh, for That's a Wrap, I am Eric Marshall. And I'm Nick Schlegel. And I'm Christopher Gullen. And we are three guys with PhDs who would like to talk about film and media and stuff. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode, actually, uh, talk about uh, the Marvel Universe. It's a huge topic, and, and we'll get to it shortly. But before that, we do pickups here at the That's a Wrap, which is where we kind of, uh, you know, catch up with each other. So uh, what's what's new, uh, Nick? Not a whole lot. Um, you know, just enjoy, trying to enjoy summer. And um, uh, the last episode I mentioned to you guys and the listeners that my book came out. And in this short little interim here... Uh, I've gotten some feedback on it. Um, one uh, from Merrick Lipinski, who's an authority on Spanish horror, who bought the book and then shared with me his uh, first impressions of it, which were really positive. Um, and then the other one I was really, really, really thrilled about. It. In fact, it made the front page over at Turner Classic Movies, you know, which was great. Uh, and that was uh, the um, uh, movie Morlocks, the official blog for Turner Classic Movies, did a midsummer reading uh, list uh, for um, film books. And uh, Kimberly Lindbergh's, uh wrote up a, a small capsule on my book, and she, she apparently really enjoyed it and had some really nice things to say about it. So some early praise from Turner Classic and Kimberly, which actually my, my, my uh, editor, excuse me, my um, publisher got wind of and then put it on the page where my book is too. So that's eh, just good stuff, you know. I mean – you guys, we're all writers, we're all authors. You know that we, we, we can't do this in a vacuum. We write it in a, somewhat of a vacuum, but we, 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 we live and die by the feedback we get. You know, we create this thing and we want to hear something about it. Yeah. So the minute you finish your book, you're like, okay, what do people think? You know? And so finally a little bit's been pouring back. So I'm thrilled. Very nice, very nice. Uh, also, you appeared on a very prestigious podcast I don't really so, recall yeah, which one. Was uh, what was it called again? <laughs> Nick was on my podcast, my other podcast, the Wet Podcast. Uh, we talked for uh, a little over an hour, actually, about um, academic publishing, about the whole process, a little bit about the subject matter of your book, um, about academia in general. It's a really good uh, interview, in, in my opinion. I mean, <laughs> I, but uh, in my humble opinion, it was a good interview. But um, you can you can go over to my site at ericmarshall.net slash wet to find that and i'll also put um the link to it in the show notes at that's a rap show.com so you guys can I'll, find I'll that link so. to the uh, tcm website too yeah we'll put those all this all the links you're telling me tell us will be in the show notes that's a rap show.com episode 37 so that's awesome what about you chris oh it's been a good summer i've been relaxing and hanging out with uh steven we've been having lots of adventures uh, he's been visiting here this summer uh, as well as I've been uh, trying to do some uh, writing, working on a couple of projects um, that I'm uh, trying to finish up, and at this point, going to be uh, getting ready for the for the fall semester. So it's been uh, it's been it's been a good summer. 
Uh, we just got our first, funny enough, first spell of hot weather. Uh, so like really hot weather. It was in the 90s yesterday. But um, it's been fairly cool and uh, wet, which is what we need. We needed some rain here in Massachusetts because we were going through a drought uh, at the beginning of the summer. So it's been... It's been good. We're getting some good needed rain and hasn't been too uh, hot and muggy up until yesterday. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been it's been a good summer. Really, really good. Good, good. Excellent. What about you, Eric? Not a lot. Doing a lot of work. You know, I have a intro to film class uh, that I'm teaching at Oakland Community College. That we're in, I think, week three coming up here. I did show Jaws. Um, I remember last episode I told you. <laughs> yeah, I said, you said that. You yeah, said I liked it. it. I said you guys had to convince me to, to, to show Jaws for the first time in probably a decade. And uh, yeah, oh my gosh, it was great. They were, you know, the part where the head floats out in the boat. They, everyone <laughs> jumps. You know, half half of them had seen it, half of them hadn't. Most of them who had seen it hadn't seen it in a long time. So uh, at one point, I looked across the room and they're just all sitting forward, wrapped. You know, which is not always the case with the movies I so, show in in that class. So love yeah, it, love, love it, and that's exactly yeah, that's exactly what Chris and I had spoken about in the last episode. Was that about? Half of our students typically have seen it, the other half haven't, but everybody's already pretty much enthralled, you know, and it's just, it. I mean, because it's just a testament to what a great, how brilliantly crafted a film it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it really is. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm glad you guys, I'm glad we did that, and I'm glad I, I changed it up. It's nice to to change things up once in a while, and that was that was good. Yeah, a lot of tutoring, a lot of teaching, that's about it, but I've, I found some time to get away this uh, this weekend. And do some fun stuff, and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's 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 been it's been pretty nice. But other than that, no no real updates. Um, just the the same old thing. We do have a, a, a kind of an update on the podcast. We have a lot of new listeners, and uh, for those of you who have come to us uh, through episode thirty, welcome. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I, I don't know why, we have no idea why, but um, episode 30, the Nymphomaniac slash pornography episode has been getting an incredible number of downloads in the last month or so. So those of you who have found us through episode 30, if you're listening to this episode, um, welcome. Us, <laughs> yeah, let us know. Yeah, welcome. And let us know how you found us. I'm really curious, you know, to where all these new listeners are coming from. We're, we're happy to have you. I'm just curious as to, uh, to, to how you found us. So find us exactly. Yeah, we're we're also us? flattered that you're taking us along on your road trips or vacations, <laughs> yep. flights, uh, cruises, all whatever, whatever, uh, medium of travel, plane train automobile that you're using this summer and taking us along we are flattered to be going along for the ride yeah and hopefully you're not uh letting the kids hear it uh, we have a couple clean episodes but otherwise you're probably not listening with with your children i guess yeah we're, we're really not very family friendly <laughs> especially episode 30 <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah yeah especially episode 30 uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that's about it. So yeah, drop us a note on that's a rap show dot com, or uh, maybe find us on Facebook if you want to, or Twitter, and uh, and let us know how you found us. Even for other those of you who have been listening for a while, we'd love to hear how you found us, and uh, even some suggestions for future episodes if you like. Absolutely. All right, well, we should probably move into segment one because I have a feeling this is going to be a longer one, perhaps. Yeah. 
Okay. I think so. A lot, 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 like you said, a lot of ground to cover. So, uh, principal photography segment number one. Jody Stark makes you feel he's a cool insect with a heart of steel. Iron Man of just the place. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, does that music bring back memories for you, Nick? It does, you know, and it's like the perfect, uh, I think, um, vehicle to bring us into this discussion because uh, as a kid, I mean, this would be in, you know, the early 70s, um, that, those 1960s those sort of limited animation Marvel shows of Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, um, Submariner, that's all we had. And, you know, compare that to, you know, like Age of Ultron and it's like, you know uh, – <laughs> completely different universes you know so yeah it's uh, come a long way since that we've come a long way um this is gonna be hard we haven't really talked about how we're gonna organize this we haven't talked at all about what we're gonna do here um so it's gonna be fun we do have some um some articles that we've uh we've all each of us have read that we might want to respond to or refer to um which we'll link to in the in the show notes but um I guess one thing to say is that I think a comparison of the various marvel um uh movies to the original comic books will be interesting to uh a portion of our audience. Uh, but it'll probably be completely uninteresting to another portion of the audience. And I'm not sure what those proportions are. So I think it would be worth maybe talking about the, our experiences with the comics or our knowledge of the comics. But I'm wondering if maybe we shouldn't get too bogged down with that. No, I because, agree. I mean, that's probably just – yeah, it, it'll just slow us down. And yeah. I will probably just have to assume for the most part that um, – uh, when we're talking about the films, there's going, there's always going to be uh, a fair amount of creative license taken with that franchise and, and that franchise's comic, you know, universe. Yeah. Uh, that continuity is often deliberately uh, ignored. Yeah, I think also it would be worth mentioning um, that just like. Um, Several of our other previous episodes, like Wes Anderson or Woody Allen, or, or not not Woody Allen, but definitely Wes Anderson, is that we all come to the Marvel universe with different backgrounds and opinions and prejudices and prejudices. So, <laughs> yeah. right. So, and that's that's it's going to be helpful to know that to kind of guide the 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 conversation so to under kind of understand where we are as far as Nick's background. As far as Eric's background and as far as my background. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Should we define those now or let them figure it out for themselves? <laughs> why, why, don't, why, don't we de- why don't we just define them now? I think that would just be helpful so people can – I mean I think people are going to really quickly be able to figure that out. But right. yeah. I think it would be, would be helpful. Um, and I will, I will let Nick go first on this one. Uh-huh. Sure. Like I said just a couple minutes ago – 
um, you know, I was watching the, the Marvel animated uh, stuff from the 1960s, the mid-1960s, gobbling that up, reading the comics. I had all sorts of Marvel and DC toys, the action figures, um, just grew up loving all that stuff and then later collecting comics. And then um, I got out of it for ages about 13 to 19, about five or six years. And then my college roommate was an avid collector and he sucked me right back into it. And and then I collected again avidly from about ages 18, 19 to 30, 34, 33. So another 12, 13 years. And then I got pretty winded on the whole – I found the market got a little too saturated and I just kind of stopped buying comics altogether in, the, the mid, in my mid-30s. So that's about 10 years ago. Yeah, and as far as uh, as far as I'm concerned, I came to I came to comics late. Um, I didn't really read a lot of them as uh, as a child, um, uh, or as a teenager. I guess the um, my my first my introduction to to comics was actually the Sandman comics, which is not Marvel or DC, right? It's um, and non superhero, yeah, and non superhero as well. So that's that's where I came into it, and then I started going back. I mean, uh, beyond like a, a maybe an occasional like I read Spider Man in the in the newspaper. <laughs> you guys remember when the newspaper comics? You know, sure. I read some of those in there, but then I went back and read um, as much of it as I could, and I kind of caught up as an adult with a lot of it. But but there are whole storylines I I never read, or there are certain continuities I didn't really really get into. Um, and, and things like that. So I, I think that as compared to Nick, I, I don't, I won't have as much knowledge, but it's there. But it came later, so there was a little more, maybe uh, I might be more, a little more critical while reading it. Um, although probably not, because <laughs> I really do love this stuff. So, um, and that's kind of where I come come from with with a lot of this. Uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, I come pretty much from the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, I never really read comics at all um especially the american uh like the dc marvel superhero comics when i was a kid i read asterix the gall which is a belgian comic um i liked that and then i got older and uh started reading manga uh so which are the job the the japanese uh the japanese comics um and then when i and i really actually to be funniest honest with you guys um nick was the one who really got me into kind of kind of got me into it into the american ones so i've which has been like seven seven years maybe um so we're looking at you know not a lot of comics i've, I've read a few uh i've got a couple of graphic novels on my bookshelf from marvel I maybe think one from DC. I got a bunch of Alan Moore's, but the majority of my my comic uh, uh, collection is, if you want to call it that, it's very small. Would be Asterix and um, various uh, manga uh, that I've uh, that I've I've picked up, and I've I've actually uh, very very hypercritical of superhero comics. I'm I'm uh, I don't hate them at all by any stretch of the imagination but i am not a fan uh and i am very very critical so you're going to kind of get all three all three <laughs> points of uh, uh of this maybe sometimes a little unfair I'll, I'll even admit it maybe sometimes a little unfairly critical but i am very very critical i i usually uh do not go out of my way to watch uh superhero uh films uh, at all 
Did you watch Superman, the, the original, uh, the, the Superman movies from the... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, those. Yeah, those I did love. That's where oh, I was so, in my discussion, actually. Yeah, and I'm wondering what... Yeah, I, I we'll get to it later, but I imagine, but I wonder what the difference is between, you know, between those movies and, and what we're seeing today. Um, for you, Chris, I mean, we can talk about that later if you want. But. For me, you know, it's interesting because I think that a, a, a lot of the, the, the interest of older... Uh, of adults with a lot of these superhero movies is rooted very strongly in nostalgia. So I don't have that connection with the, with the current films. Yeah. I do to the original superhero films. I also liked Christopher Reeve. <laughs> I thought he was a better actor than a lot of the people who are playing the superheroes now. Um, and I, I just, I, I thought the music was better. I, 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 I loved Superman. I love Superman two. I love Superman three. Um, and I remember watching them when I was, when I was younger and I, I really enjoyed them. I didn't eat them up. I didn't go crazy. Um, I just really, really enjoyed them. And I think also the pacing was slower. There wasn't, it wasn't this knockdown, drag them out. I'm going to beat the ever living shit out of you that you see uh in most of the superhero films now um they it was it was far far simpler more um maybe strategic i don't i don't i don't i don't know the 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 level of violence wasn't there um it was far more based on character development and um i think that's my opinion um rather than than the current than the current stuff which is just you know what i'll I'll, we'll get to that later nick go on um no, I was gonna give defer back to Eric here and yeah. sort of like oh, okay. figure out how we'll how we'll uh go and chronologically is probably a good a good way to to start. Uh maybe. I, I I would like to start with the first Iron Man, so so in that respect I think chronologically would, would be a good way to go. Um I have not seen all of the films. There are um I, I have a page in front of me, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There are about eleven or twelve movies in the current Marvel cinematic universe. Okay. And um I've seen most of them but not all of them. And um that's important. To you know, I guess to know, I, I what have I not seen? I don't think I saw the original Incredible Hulk from two thousand eight. I don't think I saw that one. I have not seen Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which I heard here is very good. And I guess that's it. Um, I guess the second Thor I didn't see either. So, <laughs> um, so that said, uh, the, the original Iron Man, the two thousand eight Iron Man, uh, directed by John Favreau, I thought nailed it. <laughs> right, and that really drew me in to what would become this this huge um, universe. Because you know those first several movies, Iron Man, Thor, all that were um, Captain America, were setting up the Avengers movie. It was all just to set up that 2012 first Avengers movie uh, to a large extent. But I thought the I thought um, uh, what's his name, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. which you would never think of, I think, before that as a superhero. It was great casting. I know John Favreau really fought for him, you know, to, to be in there because his career was a little down and out at the time, if you recall, in 2008. Sure. Um, but um, I thought it was spot on. I thought the humor was good. I thought the character was good. Um, and, you know, the fact that he reveals himself as Iron Man at the end, I thought was really, was really cool. Uh, what did you guys think about the first Iron Man? 
Well, yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, so I'm 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 glad we're starting here, and then, but eventually, I do want to backtrack to some of the analogs to that, uh, because Marvel had been you know put- putting away with a lot of different things. But in terms of this current cinematic Marvel cinematic universe, the the uh, I was right there with you. I remember we talked about the film when it came out. And it, it for me, it really heralded a really a great a, a step in the right direction. I thought um, because even in that particular era, uh, the mid to late two thousands, it seemed as though one, yet again we were hitting sort of a stagnancy thing going on with the potential franchises out there. And along came this new sort of fresher uh, take on it. Uh, yeah, the sort of like um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The edgy casting of Robert Downey Jr. in it, and then ILM's real delivery of the suit. Because if you guys recall, there was a physical suit that Stan Winston Studios had had built for uh, Robert Downey Jr., which which encumbered him and he hated it. But then ILM had really stepped it up, and they were able to do uh, the gra- the, the uh, uh, CG suit so freaking well. Uh, and and then you just had you know the big larger than life Jeff Bridges as the antagonist and mm-hmm. and uh, and it was just it was well cast and well scored and it was just this great little launching of something that had been floating around for a long time. It was originally a Tom Cruise vehicle in like the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, but this is what we wound up with, and I think I think universally everybody really really liked uh, uh, Iron Man. Uh, if if you were a fan of superhero films, it really it fed it fed everything you were looking for. So Chris, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, the original Iron Man is the only Iron Man I've seen. Um, I didn't see two or three. I just didn't really have much of an interest. Uh, but I I liked it. I thought from. I, I never read the Iron Man comic. I didn't have any context, but I did think that using Downey Jr. kind of his his slick, smarmy uh, portrayal, I I I like that. I th- I thought I thought that was that the casting of 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 him was great. I've been a fan of him for for forever. I've always been a fan of his, so I I, I like to see. Uh, see that uh in in there but I, I i thought it was fun i thought it was enjoyable uh i didn't see it at the theater i i saw it on um i saw it later on on k ca- uh not on cable even i think i saw it on dvd uh but i, I was i was entertained i i liked it i i finished saying oh that was a lot of fun um when the second one came out i didn't really feel the need i kind of felt well you know, it'll it, 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 probably be a lot of the same things. You know, Iron Man's going to get in trouble and he's going to come save the world and and he will and he won't he won't die and all that stuff. And it'll be a, a cliffhanger up to the very end and he'll save things. Uh, so, so yeah, I didn't really see much of a need. But um, I did see The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton, which uh, I thought was okay. Um, Edward Norton was a little bit of a tough sell as Bruce Banner. Uh, because I did watch the old Incredible Hulk TV show a few times. Oh yeah, Bill Bixby. Uh, <laughs> Bill Bixby, yeah, Bill 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 Bixby. Yeah, I I really liked him, but um, in that show, Ed Norton was just uh, he was uh, too. I don't want to say too much of a pretty boy, but it just it, it, I didn't buy him as. Mm. Uh, as 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 Bruce Banner and I haven't I have not seen Thor. I did see Captain America the first Avenger and I hated it. I thought it was a piece of crap. Um, 
we're gonna have some disagreements here. Oh, I'm let sure me, we will. Uh, but and that's all. That's uh, okay, I, and, and I have not seen uh, the Avengers, uh, and I really don't have much of an interest to. Well, you, you you haven't seen the second Avengers? I haven't seen the first one. I thought oh. you just said you saw the first one and you hated it. No, that was Captain America. Uh-oh. Captain America. Oh. Uh, it's going to be hard to talk about this without talking about the Avengers because no, you, you could talk about it. I, 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 I mean, you can, you could talk about it. Go, okay. go for it. You could. Well, talk, let me go you, back. You to, talk about it. I'm going to go back to Iron Man just quickly. Uh, the, um, the other thing I like about Iron Man is that at the the final uh, battle scenes, there's this fairly long battle scene. Um, but it's, it's, you know, pivotal to the plot and everything. And it's, you know, it's a lot of chasing and a lot of fighting and stuff like that. And then it gets resolved. And then there's another battle. I don't know if you guys remember this. It ends up in that like kind of, um, enclosed, I don't know what it was, some garden thing. I don't know what it was, but, uh, the, you know, I'm talking about that enclosed, it's in this glass thing. Doesn't matter, whatever. At the end of it, and I thought to myself, "Oh gosh, seriously?" Because I figured this is going to be an even longer chase, you know. And that stuff's so boring. But they mercifully made it really, really fast. And I think even mentioned it, like, "Oh, that was easy," you know, sort of thing. And I, I was really thankful <laughs> for that. You know, you gave, they gave just enough of that. You know, it wasn't the entire movie. They kind of truncated that that final battle scene. And I think, um, and the reason I'm talking about this is because I think that. Where the rest of the Marvel movies after Iron Man succeed is where Iron Man succeeded, which is in the humor and the dialogue and the character. Where they fail, a lot of them, is in the is in the over-reliance on just action, 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 in my opinion, which Iron Man I don't think does as much as maybe some of the later ones. So, I'll agree with you there. I, I think maybe that's why I liked it is because I thought it was funny mm-hmm. and I I I, I, I laughed um, and there wasn't there wasn't as much sock 'em up wham bam type 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 stuff. <laughs> sock 'em up wham bam. Me <laughs> to a point. But we'll have to come back to that later. No, we can talk about it now because I don't think we can go through all of them one by one. I guess we could. Do you want to? I just I want to. I need to pay lip service. To the 70s, 80s, and 90s really quickly, I think, because yeah. that's part of the Marvel Universe, just in a di- under a different form of a, of a media um, franchise and an ownership. Uh, I, I, you know, so I think like Superman set the template to which, by and large, I've always measured all other superhero films. Yeah. And I'm still looking for the film to surpass that. Um a lot of that could be tied up in in the fact that it was one of the most profound cinema going experiences of my childhood. I think anybody who was around my age and went and saw Superman in the theater, like Star Wars it, or or a few other films of that decade, it was you know I mean you were just pinned to the back. The the original tagline of "You'll believe a man can fly" was was realized. You know I mean that film just seduced the world. It was great. Um, and then notwithstanding, you know, what happened to those franchises and, and you know, various independently and direct-to-video things of the, of the 80s, uh, we arrive at sort of like X-Men and Superman, excuse me, X-Men and Spider-Man uh, with, a bat, with a Tim Burton Batman right in the middle there um, and then its franchise. And, you know, um, I think those analog days were really interesting and, and yielded some very interesting films and some really fun things and a lot of craftsmanship that was there. 
uh, a lot of brilliant art direction, a lot of interesting casting. Who can forget Jack Nicholson? You know, um, and then post Matrix, we got that that uh, we got our first taste of Sam Raimi's Spider Man and uh, Brian Singer's X Men, and I think we were all pretty much hooked. And that I think we, so. I think it's so it's important to sort of lay lay some 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 breadcrumbs backwards there, uh, breadcrumbs backwards to so that we can. Uh, you know, look at Iron Man uh, basically on because it was standing on the the you know shoulders of of all these other attempts, uh, and um, so for the listeners out there that I I I just wanted to like say that I, I I come to this discussion sort of like aware of that that genealogy that's really really important I think because I think a lot of some of the criticisms of of the current Marvel Cinematic Universe under this this ownership and these films um, is built upon the genre itself. I mean, that genre has certain tropes and conventions that are sort of part and parcel to it. It's a it's a it's an ongoing negotiation between like the film, the genre, and the audience. Absolutely, but I think a lot of things that get criticized are just part and parcel of the genre itself. Um, and sometimes I think unfairly. Okay, so what's what do you think some of the unfair criticisms are? Criticisms are based on the uh, kind of a historically informed. Uh, I think we're going to have to go. We'll come back to that later. Again, I think that we have to sort of save that. But I mean, to build off of your point of maybe of like the uh, fight sequences, um, I agree. And but subtly disagree too. So you know, I I had a major problem with the DC universe. Let's go over there for just a second. When with the last uh, Zack Snyder Superman, that forty minute never ending destruction sequence just drove me nuts. Um, in which one? I'm sorry. In, in Zack Snyder's Superman. Yeah, uh, the Man of Steel or the yeah, Steel. Yeah, that freaking forty minute protracted tear apart a building yeah. scene just drew i i was like i was kind of leaning towards the exit door it drove me so nuts um but in the marvel films while i agree with you that it's a button they press too often it's just part and parcel of the screenwriting structure guys that's what the fucking comic books do man it's like you got you got good guys bad guys they fight they beat each other up then they go back lick their wombs re-strategize fight and go back i mean yeah. it's like 60 70 years of this you know so this it's just it's kind of just there it's built in it's hard to and if you're saying yeah but it's a little too much i don't disagree but i can't i can't fundamentally say that it's going to change i don't think i really oh, don't yeah, right right well if you look at um if you want to hear a more detailed discussion of man of steel go to episode nine of this <laughs> of that's a wrap uh where where nick and i talk about uh man of steel for a good 45 minutes half hour 45 minutes um yeah it's episode nine um and we 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 disagreed on a lot about that movie but we we agreed on on quite a bit of it as well um and i think that that movie does display everything that's wrong with with current um action cinema in general but i think superhero cinema in in specifically you know um but yeah i, I don't it's, of course it's not going to go away it, it works it sells right but i think it really um detracts from from a lot of and it's it's everything that chris doesn't like you know it's why chris doesn't see perfectly good films like marvel's the avengers because i think the avengers was actually quite a good film um i i really enjoyed uh the the avengers but which we can talk about 
in a minute. But um, but yeah, I agree with you, Nick. Like it, it is important to know that these come after uh, you know decades of um, superhero movies, some of which were wildly successful and some of which disappeared into obscurity <laughs> immediately upon release you know um you right know. I, I i think acknowledging the progenitors is is important and um looking at you know the superman films i really enjoyed tim burton's batman uh because it was so dark and twisted and bizarre i i love the fact that that danny elfman did the score and prince did some of the songs i i ate up tim burton's batman um and really the only batman film after that that i liked was uh the the three dark knight films i really did enjoy the three dark knight films mm-hmm. um I thought they were horribly edited but i and we do I, talk I, about this in a previous episode yeah right. yeah yeah we'll try and seep to the marvel <laughs> yeah. Uh but um yeah it, it, you're right. I think that it's it's everything that I don't like about it. It's it's people beating each other up. It's the good guys the bad. It's the same thing over and over and over again. I don't like action films pretty much as a rule. I find fighting boring. Uh it's tedious uh to watch uh just people landing punches back and forth. Uh, I don't get anything out of it. It doesn't make my adrenaline rush. It makes me look at my watch and and uh, it, it does absolutely nothing for me. Um, so when you have a genre that's very reliant on that, I tend to stay away. I and and the the and I understand they're superhero films, so the the lack of verisimilitude but i again you know they can, they can fly they can do this they can they they never get killed uh you know it just yeah just doesn't doesn't well, that's entirely fair i mean yeah if, if a person's just not if they're just not keen on on that uh, on that then then yeah that's just not going to be a genre that appeals to them but uh, right. yeah but but my 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 point which i think we're all in agreement on is is that it's to criticize it for doing that is 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 akin to sort of like criticizing a wheel for spinning because that's what it's designed to do. That's what it's designed to do, right? Uh, right. And so whether you like it or not is a completely different situation. You don't that bores you, and it's like it's not my shtick. Uh, and I think that sometimes uh, um, so, some of the criticisms leveled, for example, at like at the most recent film, the the Age of Ultron. I I, I some of them. I mean, the reviews have been pretty positive of it, but some of the some other ones, and and of the previous Avengers film, and some of the Guardians of the Galaxy reviews too, um, I started to see creeping into people's um, responses to it, or critics for that matter. They were re- they were starting to criticize it for reasons that I think were really aren't all that valid. Um, uh, and and I would say like, well, that you're 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 critique you're criticizing something for doing design what it was to do. You can't build this thing and then criticize it for doing what it's that's what it was designed to do. Growing up reading these comics, uh, when I saw like for example the, the the last Avengers film, I had a really fucking great moment, guys. I got to tell you, I remember in eighth grade. Um, when Marvel Secret Wars was coming out, I was buying those off of the newsstand. And Marvel Secret Wars it was never really that highly, uh, you know, uh, thought of um, uh, uh, miniseries. 
Uh, but when you're 13, 12, 13, you know, it, 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 it was great because it, it took all of these characters in the Marvel Universe and pitted them against all these bad guys. And, um, and it was in Ultron was, you know, one of the main villains of the story. And I, I remember watching the uh, Age of Ultron movie and, and actually like reliving those beautiful little eighth grade moments of, of seeing these panels come to life on the screen and obviously that was a reaction that was you know unique to me and not to every viewer uh but some i imagine and it, i was just utterly enchanted i had a shit eating grin from from coast to coast on my face cuz that was just <laughs> it was something that i had imagined as an eighth grader i was actually seeing with uh, with for me chris a great deal of a deal of verisimilitude i, I can mm-hmm. easily lose myself in that world yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right, especially if you're a comic book fan. I think that the the current Marvel universe is pitched towards a very different audience. I don't think it's really I mean, well, it isn't. It isn't. I think that like people who like the comics are often very pleased with how um, how close some of them stay, some of the movies stay to to the comics, to so the characters in the comics. If that makes sense, I think Captain America is a good example of that. Um, but um, I think the primary audience for these is probably kids, uh, teenagers, m- people who may not have ever picked up a comic book in their life, and I think that they make perfect sense in to you know, in that um, in that milieu. You know, you if you've never read one any of the comics, the the backstories are explained enough uh, that you understand what's going on, how these people relate to each other, and everything. I don't think that's a problem at all. You know, my my son loves them. My mm-hmm. my four year old uh, Stephen, he has seen all of them. He's seen all the Iron Mans. He's seen the Avengers. He's seen Guardians of the Galaxy. He adores them. He 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 loves them. He goes crazy. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Um, but I mean, I think the 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 difference between the the first Avengers and the second Avengers is, is kind of key in a way. And maybe the sec- the first or second Captain America, because I, I did not like the first Captain America movie at all. Captain America was never my favorite hero to begin with, but I just, I, th- I just, the movie was all, I know what it was doing. I get that it was setting up the, this guy's character and his backstory, but I just didn't care. And I find myself for two hours, not caring and then not caring more and just being like, ugh, you know, uh, I just, I just didn't like the first one. I've heard the second one's great and I intend to see it and I will have a completely open mind because you know what, this is going to be weird, but in the Avengers, I love the, uh, the, I love the Captain America character. He, yeah. he really, really works in the Avengers, but they, the difference between TV and film and comics and film is that, you know, if you're going to, what they're trying to do with Marvel is they're going to give you a two hour movie of backstory in order to, they give you four movies, four feature length films to set up another feature length film. And that is unprecedented. Like, I don't yeah, know. I agree. Ah, yeah. And, and that brings up something I want to talk about later. Uh, so I'm going to put a book note there, okay. a bookmark there, but um, I want to go back to something you said a minute mm-hmm. ago, which is really interesting that you said that because it's true. And yet I think they got more than they bargained for. Eric said a minute ago that, the target, you know, the prime demographic for these films is probably the, you know, seven to 18 year old, you know, I mean, that's like a real big cash cow. And then, um, 
kids in their 20s are going to love it too. Uh, adults in their 30s are going to like it. Parents of the 10-year-olds are going to you – know. so it's got a nice wide, but it's really targeted to them. The thing is, is just kind of like – and this is uh, – I don't know why this popped into my head, but kind of like the Soviet government really just wanted a, a strong propaganda film. They got more than they bargained for when Eisenstein did you know, Battleship Potemkin. And I think just like – Whatever the studio may be looking for, just a, a story to entertain these kids and make uh, you know a billion dollars. When you hire people like you know James Gunn or Joss Whedon, you know who are very intelligent screenwriters uh, and showrunners and and directors and writers, I think they're getting more than they bargained for. I think that there's some really intelligent scripts. I think Guardians was a was an absolute pleasure and a real fun watch a great surprise hit for you know for me because mm-hmm. i wasn't expecting that much of it and and that's kind of the best stance to go into a film yes. because then <laughs> if you're really impre- you know if it delivers you're just real real thrilled that's the best and, stance for anything in life <laughs> yeah for anything in life, right yeah, not just movies but for anything low expectations can really really make you happy and uh, same thing podcast. with the avengers you know and so <laughs> Uh, despite the fact that there might just be a, a younger target uh, audience for this, uh, they're hiring, you know, really, really skilled, competent, competent, skilled, and in some cases, very gifted yeah. people involved. With this. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Joss Whedon a little bit, and let's and and I have like a print something. I want to put this in parentheses around what you just said. Um, because it has to do with the kid thing. There's one thing that really has been bothering me, and maybe it's because I've been watching these movies with a, with an 11 year old, is that why do they have to swear so much? Now I know in the Age of Ultron it's a joke, but like in Guardians of the Galaxy, it's clearly like it's kind of a kids movie. It's really cute. It's really well done. Why do they have to say the word dick? You know, even- or in Iron Man three, perfectly fine movie. You know, nothing too offensive behind the fighting and all that stuff. And he calls a kid a pussy. Why you got to be such a pussy? Why did he have to call him a pussy? Why couldn't he call him a wimp? <laughs> you know, if you're you – know, why? There's this link. And I'm not a Puritan. I am not at all a Puritan or any, one of those guys. But for some reason, I find myself reacting to this stuff. It's like, really? You had to say pussy? You know, like – Anyway, so that's just parentheses. Uh, well, they don't – me. Maybe this is old man Marshall time. But, they don't drop any uh, – in I don't, I don't think, though, but they don't drop any F-bombs in these, right? No, they don't. But, you know, you, you can get away with saying – you know that joke in Guardians about oh he's an a hole. They say a hole, not asshole. A hole, which is fine, you know. But then, but I don't know if he's a hundred percent dick. It's like really, come on. I don't want to explain this to her. Anyway, so that was in parentheses. Um, but let's talk about Joss Whedon. You know, they they brought Joss Whedon in in 2012 to do uh, the first Avengers movie after um, after you know four movies, five movies: Iron Man, Hulk, Thor. Captain America. And there's Iron Man 2 as well, but I'm not counting that because the characters are already set up. Um, and Joss Whedon is known for what? Dialogue. Character. Right? Mm-hmm. And he does a great job. You know, I, I think that, you know, when I think of the first Avengers movie, I think of Tony Stark poking Bruce Banner with a pen. Oh, that's great, yeah. You know? And then that little, like, his reaction to see if anything happens, you know, he, like, pokes him and then, and then squints his eyes to see if there's any change. You know? Right. Exactly. That's what I look at. Or, or um, Captain America's, you know, not getting any of the jokes, right? right. 
and then getting one and going, I got that one, I got that one, <laughs> right? Like, it's that stuff. Or even during the battle scenes and the chase scenes, they first of all, they do a lot of continuous cuts, you know, so that you get the continuity of the scenes. It's very not Transformers, um, which is nice. But they also have all these nice asides. And the asides are funny, they're witty, and they build character. And uh, Joss, it's the first Avengers is wonderful in all of those respects. I mean, it's still a throwaway kind of popcorn, you know, comic book movie. And there's a lot of stuff like, I mean, there's a scene where uh, who is who's fighting Thor and uh, Captain America. I think are fighting right, and then two of the more or less, or is it the Hulk? Um, it's one one point Hulk and Thor are are fighting. Like you have two invincible characters fighting, or nearly invincible characters. At a certain point, you're like, "What's the point?" And I felt that way about Man of Steel as well. It's like, okay, I get it. I mean, these guys are invincible. Yeah. I, I get it, but that's that's part of the genre, you know. As as Nick said earlier, and that's fine, you know. But but it's saved by all the the interplay between all of the characters there's there's innuendo there's a suggestion of the of the relationships um you know uh, steve rogers uh captain america really comes together as a leader it it works and i think it's because of joss whedon's writing and direction absolutely i couldn't agree more i think that whedon has the unenviable task of having <laughs> to juggle a lot of characters yeah. in that and bring a lot of previous uh threads that mm-hmm. were made by different writers and directors in previous films together into sort of a cohesive whole. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I agree with you that just like in the other films and in the Avengers and, you know, uh, all of these films, really, that you, we do get a bit of overkill in the fight stuff, you know. Um, like I said, I don't disagree with that. But, yeah, I think the Avengers, it delivered. Um, and it, but, yeah, it, it has its little moments here and there. I mean, it's Joss. Joss, obviously, he had written several comics, too. You know, he was working in writing comics. Uh, he had written – I have them. He had, he had done some X-Men uh, uh, storylines. And, well, of course, he had written Buffy Season 8, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, yeah. for strictly for comics. And uh, so he was quite at home in writing for comics. Mm-hmm. And it brought that sensibility to him just even with his earliest work with like Buffy the film, for example. Uh, and so he was a perfect choice, really. And, and it's a lot that this, he has to – he's writing and directing and I think even producing. If I'm, if I'm, I need to do a little internet clicking here. <laughs> but I, he's even serving as a producer, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It's a lot to pull – that's a lot to, to do. And I thought in the first Avengers and as you guys will find out soon, I thought even more so in the second Avengers – uh, that he does it beautifully, you know. Okay, and that's where we'll where you and I will will diverge um, in our opinions. I think is when we talk about the second Avengers movie uh, for sure. Um, after the Avengers movie, is there anything worth talking about in Iron Man three or the I second? I saw Thor? Iron Man three. Okay, the second Thor and the Captain in America. Neither of which have I seen. Or Guardians. Is there anything worth talking about in those? Iron Man three was actually pretty good um iron man is kind of having like he's got like superhero ptsd man he's like he's gonna he's like in semi-retirement he doesn't really want to get into any battles or anything and it's kind of i don't know man it's kind of it's kind of deep for a minute until you know someone attacks his house and then he has to be iron man again yeah yeah yeah, like like, no iron man four i'm sorry are they making an iron man four I don't uh, probably. I don't know, but I know that uh, Robert Downey Jr. I'm pretty sure has said he does not want to do Iron Man anymore. 
Okay, there you go. If I'm not mistaken, if if, if I'm wrong, I know we'll get a thousand tweets and emails about well, it. Probably, so. I mean, he's going to yeah. probably do it for the Infinity Gauntlet stuff that's coming up. I yeah, would imagine. yeah, I would think so. Maybe no more Iron Man films. Yeah. Um, I think we do need to talk about Guardians because um, that was a huge for me. That was a huge. I I knew I was so intimate with a lot of those characters. Uh, my friend Dennis had uh, a run like of all the Guardian uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, comics when we were growing up, and I was a huge Silver Surfer fan. So I was familiar with a lot of the the sort of power cosmic um, uh, characters. Um, and so when they had announced they were doing a Guardians film, I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, that is fringe Marvel Universe. Not, not, not just that, that a lot of the sort of like Silver Surfer universe is, is semi fringe, despite its, its fantastic four origins. But when you get into Guardians, you're really getting into some like niche characters, you know, yeah. here. And, and, and I was like, are you kidding me? Really? And and I and I saw it and I I got to I mean I I loved it I love James Gunn I think he's a great he's a wonderful wonderful uh, writer and he's proved himself fantastic director I love the casting I was never a big Bradley Cooper fan this is one of several films recently that have like really have won me over yeah. even though he's just doing it's the voice his voice but, but yeah yeah no, but there's a lot of there's a <laughs> lot of great. acting it's in great that, yeah but, it's great yeah but the way they do you know the uh, capturing these days you know mm-hmm. um, yeah. A lot of the actors' uh, emotions are, are brought over to the, uh, the the face of the character on screen, the CG face. And I loved Michael Rooker. I love Karen Gillan, John C. Riley. I love Benicio in it. Zoe Saldana. Benicio I've had a crush on forever. Yeah. So Nick, Nick, are you finally willing to see Silver Linings Playbook? Yeah, I'll watch it. You know, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good movie. movie. I'll yeah. Definitely watch it. And and I, and I guess ultimately, I think Chris Pratt proved that he was. Um, he had the chops to, to to carry this entire film, which he did. Yeah. it's a nice ensemble cast, but I think yeah. he really carries it. And yeah. So I, anyhow, those are my two cents on Guardians. So you loved it? I really did. Okay. Uh, yeah, I liked it too. I made some reservations. I thought the you know the chase scenes and fight scenes were confusing, and you know, I found myself getting up to get a beer or whatever, you know. But uh, but other than that, uh, and the, and the dick thing. But yeah, Chris Pratt in particular, I thought did a did a did a great job. It's fun, you know. That's what I like about it. it's fun mm-hmm. in ways that some of these others aren't as fun. They're all fun in their own ways. So. My but, foibles um, were all related to adaptation, okay. you know. Yeah. Uh, that that's that was my issue and and like Drax, I was really upset with. I like Drax in this film, but his his comic book character is very different. Okay, it's probably fair to say that even among comic book aficionados, that's they're so niche that people may not even even comic book readers may not know some of these characters, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you've been reading a long time and you and you read out, you know, outside of you read the cosmic stuff. So yeah, so. here's the another thing that. With, especially with the Marvel films that kind of gets under my skin. And I, and I think we said we were going to talk about this, so I think I'm just going to bring it up and mention it, is in 2009, Marvel was acquired by Disney. And Disney milks the shit out of every, any, any, any franchise they buy. They milk the shit out of it. And I'm wondering, Nick, if you've noticed any difference since 2009 um, that – now that Disney's taken over, um, the basically the, the these are all reduced by Walt Disney Studios motion pictures, um, and if that's kind of done worse, um, that is part of the reason why I it, not all of the reason I've kind of explained that 
superhero films are not my are not my bag. But to me, that's just another reason to avoid seeing these films. Um, is that they're that they're owned by Disney? Uh, I'm not a fan uh, at all of Disney motion pictures. Um, uh, there, uh, there's like every so often, you know, uh, a, a Disney film will will come along and will blow me away, um, like uh, like Wall-E or, or 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 something like that. But I'm pretty critical of Disney, and the fact that Disney was taking over this uh, when I heard about the acquisition, I I kind of was like, oh boy. A lot of Marvel people aren't going to like this. And I actually talked to several of my students who said that they were not happy about the fact that Disney took over. And, um, you know, it's given me reservations about Star Wars, too. Uh, the fact that it's being produced by, uh, by, by, by Disney. So I'm just curious as to what your thoughts are, both of you. Well, if uh, that's Disney being at the helm has kind of ruined it, codified it. Uh, a little too much, a little too, made it made it even more. I mean, they're, obviously these films are formulaic, but even made it even more formulaic. Yeah, I have. I I don't know, if, Eric. Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um. Yeah, I think you can go on this one, Nick. I would say that uh, I had I too had that same <laughs> doubt and worry at first, uh, but then um, no, it 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 went away. I didn't. There was nothing really noticeably different for me. Uh, perhaps maybe slightly deeper budgets but um remember that like marvel had already had they were they had those those deals development deals they did they did you know spider-man through columbia and they did um x-men through fox uh so Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. but they still retained the rights to the avengers characters uh and so for spider-man what's that not spider-man uh, which is interesting because Spider-Man was an on and off member yeah, of yeah. <laughs> Core Six. Uh, I mean, everybody was in either the Avengers or the West Coast Avengers at some point, mm-hmm. which is a co- which are two comics that I read religiously growing up. And uh, yeah, so that when when the guy, oh, hold on, let me go to the page, Kevin uh, Feig, Kevin Feig, the basically the president of production for Marvel Studios. Um, his dream child, I think, when they did Iron Man, and then and then and then when Disney uh, uh, bought Marvel right out, I don't think that affected his overall strategy and plan for making each one of these movies and then having them tie into this great uh, Avengers. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Collective. Yeah. And so I there was nothing I didn't I wasn't worried about it and. Um, and uh, I guess, uh, well, no, I'll, I'll save that for later. But that's that's a direct answer for you. Is no, I didn't know nothing noticeably different at I, all. I agree with Nick on this one. Um, I, I mean, one thing that Disney does have is resources, mm-hmm. you know, so they can hire Joss Whedon, you know, and they can get James Gunn and they get all these actors and they can throw a lot of resources at it. And it just, I mean, I said it earlier. If nothing else, just the scope of of this universe is incredible because you know making a, a TV series or a couple TV series like the the risk is different uh, the the storytelling is different as well but you know to to do you know so far what did I say six seven eight, nine ten eleven twelve well, Ant Man came out this weekend and sorry I- listeners we're not talking about Ant Man because none of us have seen it yet I will see it but um, but twelve feature length films with with another eight planned like and each film has to make 
some box office, right? Like it, it, the, the, the economic Budget. pressures are different, you know, and it's, it's incredibly ambitious, incredibly ambitious. And, and who else, but I mean, maybe Disney's the only company in the world who could do this. I don't know. And, and the rights thing is really important too, Nick, because they, except for Spider-Man, they had retained a lot of the rights to a lot of these characters. So they could do this, you know, in spider there's rumors that Spider-Man will be in, um, the, uh, the next Captain America movie as well. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things with Age of Ultron is that you know because of Fox ownership of of uh, the X Men, you know, you couldn't have um, oh right, Scott right, which and Quicksilver. You know, you had to have these the, the twins and you and and uh, they didn't use the same actors and everything like that. And, right. Um, that'll be fun to talk about when we get to that film. Yeah, which we will in a second. Um, the uh, I'm, I'm sure because we have to. We're getting. Oh, we're at, we're at 58 minutes right now. Um, yeah, yeah, the X-Men thing, that's really important. You guys, have you guys ever – I meant to link this to you guys earlier, and I didn't. But have you seen the Patton Oswalt um, thing from Parks and Rec where he's doing a filibuster in the town – Like, Oh, yeah, I love that Town scene. meeting, and it's all about trying to merge all of these universes, the X-Men oh, and the uh, – <laughs> All, all Parks and Rec filibusters are incredible. <laughs> yeah. And his is all about uh, about Star Wars and X-Men and ways to like link them. Oh, my gosh. It's so great. Yeah. I, I will put a link in the show notes at thatsrapshow.com for those who haven't seen it. It's so good. It's still on there. So. <laughs> What's that, cool. Nick? I just I love that I love oh. yeah I'll, uh, whenever there's filibustering going on in Parks and Rec it's it's a it's going to be a great episode yeah and there's a there's an uncut version of of Pat and Oswalt doing it they did, they released it on YouTube I'll, I'll link to it it's 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 great so um well, yeah Ant Man you know I guess before we get into like Age of Ultron and stuff yeah. we do need to pay even though it's outside the current. Uh, media franchise of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have Fox's X-Men stuff, which is still Marvel. Uh, it's been real, real big box office draw lately with the sort of rebooting via the Kennedy era, you know, Cold War, X-Men First Class, which I really enjoyed, and also uh, X-Men Days of um, Future Past, which was a huge hit. Uh, what was it? 2014, just last year, right? They're releasing the Rogue Cut. Um, so I just I thought that you know Brian Singer's been doing some really interesting stuff coming back to the franchise that he started in the late '90s there. So um, I just thought it might be interesting just to make, just to point out that um, there's been some interesting things going on there too that are parallel to but through a different studio altogether. You know? Sure. Yeah. I, I'm not a real big fan of, of a lot of the X-Men movies. I haven't seen them all. Um, did you but, see um, First Class? No, I did not. No. I think you would enjoy that. Yeah. I should probably give it a try because I think it was one of the the second or the third X-Men turned me off a lot. And I was like, eh. So. Well, I was just going to say that um, uh, the Kingsman um, was directed by the same uh, man that directed uh, – First class, and the Kingsman was was outstanding, Uh, and and we ought to watch that um, because I thought that was great. By the way, okay, yeah, sounds good. I I, yeah, I'm interested in that for sure. So I think to uh, to springboard our discussion a little bit um, of Age of Ultron, um, I want to refer to a to an article that all three of us read um, uh, in Medium, and I'll, I'll. 
link to it in the uh, in the show notes. It's a little long, but there are some bullet points I want to talk about. Because, uh, Nick, you uh, you mentioned earlier some criticisms of Age of Ultron and some of the newer movies without mentioning what they were. So I figured maybe I'll just a springboard. I'll hit, I'll hit us with that, and we can respond to that. But okay. the... Um, the article is called Age of Robots, How Marvel is Killing the Popcorn Movie, and a uh, pretty provocative title. Uh, and the article is written by, um, by Sadie Doyle. And it's, it's a long article and talks about how much she loves the, uh, the first uh, Avengers and, and, and not the second one so much. And it, it has a lot of different criticisms, but I want to I re- focus right now specifically on the the numbered list because it's a numbered list and those are easy to to, to read out loud onto a on a podcast so um and I'll I'll truncate them quite a lot but um because her 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 basic premise is that while Joss Whedon is a good screenwriter and a good director and his strengths are dialogue and character development and he has strong female characters in a lot of his stuff in Age of Ultron he couldn't have he couldn't do what he normally does um he wasn't able to do what, what, what he normally does because of the constraints of the genre what she says is there are certain requirements that this these movies have um one is too many characters it has too many there's way too many characters uh number two is no matter what marvel's structure mandates at least one fight scene every 20 minutes <laughs> and most of the time these characters aren't having in-depth discussions while they fight uh number three uh the movie also has a predetermined narrative which we know because it's the same narrative every marvel movie adheres to which is roughly there's a thing and a bad guy and a bad guy and the bad guy steals the thing so they fight they lose one fight and then they lose another fight and then they win the last fight the end number four we also need to end the movie in such a way that all of the characters with ongoing franchises can go back to those franchises live and more or less unchanged and that's the one i think is huge number four and number five so once marvel's formula has deprived the movie of a time for the characters b the potential for the story to unfold in a surprising way and c meaningful consequences we then get each character each character's maximum 10 minutes of focus, which is now more like five or six, cut down even further, which adds with ads for other Marvel project, products, etc. I won't read the whole thing, but um, that's that's the basic, you know, kind of what she sees as the requirements of Marvel movies and why they're um, they're hurting what she calls the popcorn movie. Basically, the idea is there's no time for character anymore because you have to do all these other things. And I do agree with her. The Age of Ultron suffers from that to a large extent, uh, unlike the original Avengers movie. Okay, yeah, no, uh, the the list is accurate, um, but it's not a problem. I don't. I, uh, we would have to ascribe that same type of criticism to every franchise or studio going back to the 1930s. You know, with say, for example, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein and Son of Frankenstein and Ghost of Frankenstein or Dracula, Son of Dracula, the exact same pro forma syntax that she's describing here is ascribed to basically every franchise. And that would suppose that artists can't contribute in a meaningful way to a narrative without having to fulfill some sort of guidelines or genre expectations. It's, I don't agree with that. Not to mention the real type of, for me, um, challenge would be to work for Roger Corman in like the 1970s, where rather than that you get this list, you get 
I need you to make me a film that's between 78 and 90 minutes. It has to have exactly this much nudity. It has to have exactly this much violence. It has to play in these regions, not of, you know, I mean, that's to me, and, and, and you have to make it for this amount of money and use this amount of stock footage. That's a real challenge. Uh, this type of stuff here, I don't think is killing anything. I think it's just what, what it's become. We can argue about whether or not it's good or bad, but to argue that, that's why I say I don't disagree with her. I just don't think it's a problem. I think that Whedon plays it like a fiddle. I think that he gives so much more plot, uh, character development to, in this film. Look at Hawkeye in this film. Way, way, way more fleshed out. I mean, we get to see his family. We get to see his life outside of the Avengers. Look at – we get all the backstory we get to see in the Black Widow and to Natasha. I mean, the whole idea of, of, of having the Scarlet Witch poison them and send them on these little – these little um, uh, mental backtracks, you know, mm-hmm. these uh, facing their demons, I thought just actually fulfilled to serve to, f- to sort of like fill out these characters even more. So while there might be some contrivance there, I thought, and I can go on and give more examples, but I just want to get your response to that. I think that like Joss has 10 characters to deal with here as opposed to the six, and I still think manages to make, give each one of them. Uh, and not to mention even have, you know, have, have Banner and, 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 um, and the Black Widow and Natasha actually, you know, we, we get some perhaps long craved for romantic tension in some of these films between, you know, uh, a large an ensemble cast, which is rare. Well, <laughs> to respond to the Frankenstein and Dracula thing, I think one of the ingredients that's missing from those is the ten characters, like you say, right? Um, but, no, 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 no. You're familiar with the monster rallies, right? Yeah, I suppose. But I, I, I think maybe they're trying to do something different. The monster rallies, of course, House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. would bring in every major character from the Universal franchise. Yeah, I think I know what Nick's talking about. Um but I, I do think, though, I, I just to add my own two cents from what I know about these films, um, I agree with her. I, I don't, I don't want to say it's a problem because I think the studios are giving audiences what they want. I think it just is reflective of um, – how do I say this tactfully? Um, the banality of the audiences – they're, I mean, they're obviously, if this is what is bringing people back into the theater and they're just seeing the same thing over and over and over again, and it's the, it's, it's, it's the same, it's the same fights and the, the, they, they fight in the collectively in a franchise and they have to go back to their franchises. I'd say that says more about the audience than the studios. Well, I mean, but that is genre theory at work. It's a contemporaneous social feedback loop of expectations, the fulfillment of those expectations, and then the changes of those of the genre itself. It'll either sort of fade into obscurity or become parodied or reinvent itself. I mean, that's the way it works. Right. But I, I guess I would have I, – I, I think if that's the case, then the audiences need to raise their standards. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that feedback takes time. That's the thing. I mean – we've seen sort of the first generation of this stuff from the late nineties, the X-Men Spider-Man stuff up till today, we've seen the evolution of the, of, of the genre. And and right now what we're getting is this current 
Marvel Cinematic Universe seems to be dominating a lot of it. And I'd say if we're if we're going into like sort of the traditional shots is sort of like, you know, stages or evolutions of genre, um, you know, we're 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 definitely not into the parodic element of here. This would probably be sort of like the refinement stage, you know. We're entering into the Baroque period perhaps. No, I think the the closest the, there was a film several years ago called I think it was called Mystery Men, which was the parodic I think that's that's Par- that's I think the only parody um, of, right. of of this this oh, kind yeah, of ensemble. Super, yeah, that and then there was like the superhero movie too. But right, there was no there was no large scale attack against it that made it go away or anything. Right, right. I, no, I th- I think you're right. I think this is this is genre theory playing out pretty much as a T. Uh, Eric, are you still with us? I'm still with you. Oh, okay, good. This is genre theory painting up, up uh, playing out to a T. Uh, I don't disagree with that. I think that by looking at this, that it just says that um, American audiences have just bad taste. Well, you know, and I mean, I, like I said, I don't disagree with her points either. I'm just saying that they're they're not problematic, and there's a lot of assumptions there too. I mean, to say that um, a director can't enter into a particular genre or franchise and and, and not maybe stamp it with his or her own original stamp. Of, of originality or signatures also to sort of fly in the face of of the auteur tradition as well. So, I mean, there's there's a lot there. I just don't see it as as pejorative in any way, other than the fact that I think, yeah, the fights, the fight, uh, the frequencies of the fight and their narrative purpose sometimes are a bit dubious. Mm-hmm. Very dubious, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll give you Hawkeye because he has stakes because of his family, right? But in... Like I said, in the first Avengers, uh, Tony Stark poking Bruce Banner, right? You know, uh, Captain America not getting jokes. I see much less of that in, in Age of Ultron. The only, the, only, the only thing I remember about Age of Ultron mostly is the running joke about swearing. At the very beginning, uh, Rogers is like, language, when someone says something. And the rest of the time, they're making fun of him for, for that. I think that's pretty funny. But otherwise, I don't you see... That's all you remember from the movie, really? Well, I mean, I remember the very, very end of it. I remember, like... I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's just... Even the flashbacks that you say give us some backstory into their fears and stuff, you don't get any growth out of these characters you don't get any uh self-awareness i know genre conventions and all but you do get that in, in the in the individual movies and in some of the individual movies especially the iron man movies um which is why i think they're the biggest box office as well um because you have a character who is conflicted and does go through some growth until age of ultron where he doesn't but that's where i also disagree with there first of all I, and you i think that the to begin with the characters individually in this film, none of them are protagonists. The mm-hmm. protagonist is, is the Avengers itself. It's a team. Right. And I think the team right. goes through tremendous growth in this film, more so than in the first film. And secondly, uh, even within it, that, that uh, limitation of having a group be, serve as a protagonist, I think there's a lot that Whedon does in the script, my, personally, to show us uh, more of the characters. Now, is there arcs like uh, she's complaining about? No, I don't, I don't see uh, these tremendous arcs. I don't think it's really possible for each character to have uh, an arc in the film. I think the, the group of the Avengers and Banner's discussion and as well as Stark's discussion about why he doesn't want to have the Avengers anymore. That's why he's creating mm-hmm. Ultron and why he doesn't want to have to put the suit on anymore, which probably 
as you said, Eric, ties into Iron Man 3, which I didn't see with his post-traumatic stress. He's, mm-hmm. he's yeah. so hell-bent on creating Ultron. Yeah, because uh, he wants that, to not have to do that anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. right. He wants to have yeah. – and, of course, he's able to enlist the Banner, who's pure science, right? He's, he's, he knows how to play Banner, yeah. <laughs> which is great. Uh, I love all that. Um, and – and uh, um, yeah, and, and and more growth, but and I think there's a tender relationship between Mark Ruffalo and and uh, Scarlett Johansson in it. I love that there's more Jeremy Renner. I love um, uh, Chris Evans, you know, as Captain America, and 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 his his sort of never ending uh, quest to to try and be a moral voice within that group, you know, and 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 just pretty much all of that. Loaded into the larger context of the protagonist as the is the title of the film, I don't see these really valid points as being a problem. Though I think that again we're talking about it is that is what it it's designed to do. You can not care for it, but I don't know how valid a criterion it is. I mean, we're talking about this. To me, this goes back to the very birth of genres as as part of the cinematic industry. When you're looking at the the gangster film or the war film, or the science fiction film, you're dealing with studios, you're dealing with templates, you're dealing with um, contemporaneous stories. You're 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 putting into an assembly line. You're sending them out. You're seeing how people respond to them. You're making ch- changes on the fly to these films so that you can still you know make money off of them and send them right back out to the public for consumption. This is the feedback loop. And I thought that for me, I thought that like Age of Ultron was 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 fabulous. I enjoyed every minute of it. I could certainly get idiosyncratic and find some things to pick on, but on the whole, I thought it was a really really excellent sequel. When Stanley says Excelsior and is like half drunk, I'm a ha- I'm <laughs> a happy guy. That's pretty know? good. That's pretty good. You know, Eric, yeah. you did mention something that I thought was kind of interesting as you were talking about how you didn't like the fact that they used the word pussy or the word dick. Yeah. And I was actually thinking of it just from the opposite. Um, I kind of wish they would actually stop making this for 10-year-olds and actually make a film that um, had language the way people talk. Uh, You know, when when people are in the midst of a fight to the death – I, I I would love to hear um, one of these superheroes say "fuck you." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they 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 avoid all of that. They avoid profanity. They avoid any type of sexuality. There's no nudity. There's no sexual content. Yeah, the Marvel stuff's pretty pretty tame. Right? I know it's yeah. too tame. It would it, it, it would be you know, and I, and I guess if they had to do that and they got an R rating, they would lose a lot of their core. But it would be a hell of a lot more interesting. I, I would act, yeah. I if well, that's if, yeah, that's Alan Moore. That's his, that was his take on superheroes, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, of course that's a much a much different audience, yeah, something yeah. like Watchmen or something. You know? Yes, exactly, exactly. Where where you know these these his people. take on superheroes, right, right. Oh, I, oh, Watchmen. I thought. I mean, I love, I I love Watchmen. <laughs> any 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 yeah, anything like that that gets uh, that yeah, more adult content. Right. I mean, Disney's not going to go. They're not going to. They're not going to be cool with that. I don't think Marvel's going to be cool with that. They want to mm-hmm. keep it kind of um, f- fairly sort of PG. Yeah, and they've always yeah. been, that's always kind of been the case, I think, uh, to an extent. I don't I don't mind that so much. I, I get what you're saying, Chris. I don't really I don't really mind it so much. But you know, uh, Chris, or I'm sorry, Nick mentioned Alan Moore, and, and we, we'll link also to an article by him from uh, 2014 where he complains about 
people's obsession with these with these kind of mid twentieth century narratives made for children, right? Where he basically says, you know, that there's a complexity to the world that these kind of ignore in a way, or it's what people oh, they do. They, 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 they really do. Yeah, and you know, it's it's fine in the sense that I have a four year old son, and if these films had lots of profanity and lots of nudity, there's no way in hell I would let him watch it. So yeah, okay, he can watch these films, but it would be nice to actually see, um, you know, where where these films like became a little bit more realistic, reflective of how people talk, reflective of 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 real relationships that they weren't so white. Uh I mean trying to get a uh maybe a, a, a an African American, uh maybe an Asian, uh you know that that would be nice. Um you know the it's, it's the stereotyping it's 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 ridiculous which and and this is part of why the genre it just it doesn't work for me is because of of these things as 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 well it's the same thing over and over and over again you know, get 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 some diversity so maybe you I mean, with with the, more. the marvel marvel comic book universe uh, in terms of the marvel cinematic universe you know they're not quite up to speed yet uh, <laughs> oh, I think, that's I an understatement i mean i think they're doing um I mean, gosh, I remember buying, you know, there was, well, that's a whole nother story, but the comics themselves and particularly stuff from very socially minded artists uh, and, and, and writers in the 70s and 80s dealt with all sorts of topics, drug addiction and yeah. abortion and, mm-hmm. and the Holocaust with Alan Moore. Or, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that stuff, the, the comics were pretty, you know, prescient about that. Back in the day, the, the Mar- this Marvel Cinematic Universe, less so. Although I think they were talking about doing Power Man and Iron Fist as a sequel or as a analog show to Daredevil. I don't know. I have to. I, I thought I saw something about that in the Marvel page. Well, and this is where I have to say I will give props to Disney because I was um, their their most recent one of the most recent films, Big Hero Six, really really worked for me, and it was the first uh, one of the first films to to feature a uh, a Japanese American uh protagonist uh where he he's not just sort of ambiguously asian he's he's in touch with who he is he's Japanese American they use a Japanese American actor uh and they were fairly faithful to the manga um so i i i got to give really um Mad props to Disney for their translation from the the manga to the animated film Big Hero Six. If you guys haven't seen that, it was really, really very good. I like. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. You yet. like? Oh, you liked it, Nick? No, I want to see it. Oh my god, it's it's absolutely wonderful. I I I I loved it. Um, and I mean, talk about talk about diversity. And you know, for, from a studio that really hasn't been great about diversity in their animated films, I was I was very impressed. Well, I was gra- I was glad to see War Machine and Falcon in, in Age of Ultron. You know, Don Cheadle and Anthony Mackie's character. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, and you know, they're both African American actors, and I like that's that that was you know nice to see them also in the film. Right, part of the previous films. Yeah, I feel like. Um, with Age of Ultron, I miss a lot by not seeing uh, the second Captain America, the Winter Soldier, because I think there's a lot of stuff that happens there. I also haven't seen the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. Um, I'm not sure if, how much that ties in or how much I need to know of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
TV show to know what's going on in Age of Ultron, but there was some stuff that they referred to about um, S.H.I.E.L.D. coming apart that I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. You know, it might have been in, in Winter Soldier, I think. Um, yeah, and it's not that crucial, but it helps. No, it's not crucial. I understood the narrative of the film, but there was a part where I was like, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. Um, just like with Iron Man 3, if you didn't see that, you don't get the, the PTSD thing. And maybe that's one of the problems, too. Is Like I said, it's very ambitious, and I love that they're trying this. But you know, I felt like the first four movies were setting us up for the Avengers, and I had this great sense of anticipation. But now I feel like the Avengers of Age, Age of Ultron has just set me up for all the other movies, which maybe I don't want to see. <laughs> maybe I don't feel like well, investing I, another 12 hours, 16 hours, however many hours into this. Infinity Gauntlet is something that I was buying on the, on the, um, uh, on the stands. I've got all the issues downstairs mm-hmm. and, and was really enjoying when it, when it came out. So I'll be, I'll be personally really curious to see where, how they're going to do this. Um, yeah. The original, the, you know, the original miniseries is, uh, I think it was six issues, is is it was strong it was a huge seller it was a big crossover event i think it was i'm guessing here i think it was summer of 90 or 91 um and it was a lot of fun and of course that's that's what they're all leading up to so i don't know i don't know what kind of uh liberties they're going to take with it but i do like what i'm seeing um mm. so far so uh, and i'm sure there'll be plenty of liberties but hopefully none of them will be like really egregious you know you know, we, we talked before about the um, Lucas and Spielberg saying like, all we need is a couple flops, you know, for, for this whole tentpole blockbuster thing to come apart. And, and I don't see that happening right now with the Marvel Universe, but I see myself personally getting disinvested in it. I, I, I find myself watching these sometimes out of obligation. You know, well, I better see the Captain America movie if I want to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I better see that if I want to see Infinity War Part 1 or whatever, you know. And, you know, I wonder why Joss Whedon's not going to direct the next couple of Avengers. You know, he says it's going to take too much time out of his life. He hasn't done anything of his own, um, you know, in the last five years or whatever. You know, <laughs> maybe he's sick of it, too. It's like, it's like one of those, those, those uh, um role-playing video games where in order to get the box you have to go through this and then in order to defeat the boss you have to get through this to this to this you know it's 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 very irritating when when you have to do that i I would agree with eric except for the fact that i'm i've i generally really enjoy what i see and um there are obviously a couple of films i haven't seen i didn't see iron man 3 i didn't Mm -hmm. see thor 2 yeah, me neither. Largely because I had, I had sort of, I didn't, I felt I'd seen enough Iron Man, and <laughs> I felt I'd seen enough Thor. Didn't, even, yeah. didn't do that much for it. Was fun, you know. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, yeah. You know, as 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 the, as the expressions goes, you know, it was a good popcorn film. I enjoyed yeah. it, but um, I think based on the strength of the Avengers, and for me, Guardians, and for me also the sequel to the Avengers. I'm I'm definitely not as ambivalent as Eric. I'm I think I'm pretty I'm 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 invested in and going back to how we all introduced our our level of interest in these that probably is isn't all that surprising because I guess I'm the most of the three of us I'm the one with the most connection to uh, a past with comics and and might be the least likely to give up on it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'll probably see them all. I'll definitely see Ant Man and Captain America: Civil War, especially if Spider Man's going to be in it. But uh, Civil War, there's another one. When the last time Chris and I were at a comic book convention is when Civil War was was out, and I was buying those. That, so when I say I quit collecting, I basically did, but I still was buying some some miniseries. 
And Civil War was damn good. Uh, so I'm in, I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's that's that. There's a good storyline to that. Um, yeah. I forgot about that. that mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the next one. I think is coming out next year, um, and that should be interesting. Cause I think that's going to pull together a lot of stuff that they left open in Age of Ultron. So, which you know they're trying to pull me in. It go, it, yeah, it goes beyond the whole like oh maybe we'll have a sequel that you used to get in movies like we talked about last week. You know, it's like okay, you got to watch all. 23 of these movies between 2008 and 2019 if you want to get it you know but yeah you know maybe that's the way uh filmmaking's going these days i'm not sure um well you know. i guess for leaning towards summations here um i i think uh for me the the current marvel cinematic universe is akin to a unit at a studio whether it's the pasternak unit or the stanley donnan unit or the Arthur Freed unit, or the Val Luton unit at RKO. It's sort of like the idea that this is a unit that has uh, pulled together its, its arsenal of talent in the terms of cinematographers, directors, writers, actors, and they're off on their own making these films and then distributing them through these larger studios uh, and, and have sort of like really defined their niche and are just and are milking it and continuing it to give us these films in varying degrees of success. And mm-hmm. I'm it. That's a pretty good summation, actually. Uh, I know Chris isn't sold, <laughs> obviously. Uh, yeah, I'll 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 see them if they if they come on HBO and I you know if I've got nothing better to do I'll uh, I'll 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 throw it on. And maybe make some popcorn, but I'm not yeah. going to go out of my way. I'm not going to go to the theater. I'm, I, I, you know, I'll just sort of, eh, if yeah. they're around and I'm around, all right, maybe I'll give it a whirl. But I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm saying, I'm certainly, and I'm, maybe, it, maybe it's good. I'm not going to go in with high expectations. Yeah, it's not yeah. your thing. You know, no, what, it's not. when we talk about Daredevil coming up next, um, you know, that's something I think you're going to want to see through to the end. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, and I have I have a few things to say about Daredevil, but I do have to step away, uh, step away for a little bit. So I'll, I'll let you guys uh, start the helm on Daredevil. Okay. Yes, yes. We'll, right. we'll take care of that. Yeah, and I, you know, I do see these in the theater generally um, because I, I, if I'm gonna see something like this, I might as well see it on the big screen. Is <laughs> the way I see it. You know, I don't want to sit home and watch it. Although I watched Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy at home and, and enjoyed it just fine, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll you know I'll watch the rest, you know. But I, I do have problems with them, and I, you know, I think it goes beyond genre convention. I think there's very specific things to these that that I think are are problematic. But overall, I I like most of them, and I watch them all. <laughs> so, you know, well, stay tuned for our in-depth discussion of Netflix's Marvel's Daredevil, which would be awesome. Welcome to segment two. Uh, in segment two, we're talking about Daredevil, the Netflix original Daredevil. Uh, Nick and I are going to start out with this uh, as Chris had to step away, but he's going to jump in a little bit later uh, to continue the discussion of Daredevil. The reason we're talking about uh, Daredevil separately is because, in part because it's, it's a huge 
not huge, but it's a very large corpus, right? It's got um, how many? Uh, there are thirteen episodes. Um, has 13 episodes uh, all released at once in Netflix style. It's fairly recent. It came out a few months ago um, without a lot of fanfare, really, uh, to be honest with you. And it, it connects to the Marvel Universe, but it's almost tangentially. You know, you don't really um, get the sense that in my opinion, that this TV show is doing the same thing, perhaps that some of the, a lot of the movies are doing, but right. it still exists within that universe. Um, I watched it even more so, you know, and that's the, and that's the irony, the funny thing here. Yeah. Uh, so I watched it I, around the time it came out and I'm just going to go through my uh, impression because this is how this all started. I watched the first episode and I tweeted something to the effect of daredevil's, is so overwhelmingly okay that I might just make an effort to maybe watch it in the future or the rest of it. I just, that's a pretty exact quote, I think. And I was, uh, I just was not taken by the first episode. It was, there are a lot of fight scenes, which I know I say this every episode. I'm not really a big fan of fight scenes. You're not? No, no, no. Tell me. <laughs> I'm shocked. Shocked. Uh, you know, and and so I was like, eh, well, in a couple of weeks, like a, a week later, I watched the second episode. I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. And I think I got sick or something, and I was stuck on the couch. And I was like, yeah, I watched like two more episodes, and then I was like, I have to watch the rest of this. And I and I got through like three or four more, and I I, I texted you, and I was like, you have to watch Daredevil. <laughs> yes, like, yes, something happened. You know, it took it. It got me. You know, and so now, Nick, I know you are a big fan of Daredevil. You read the comics. I never read the comics as a kid um or at all i don't think i've ever read daredevil um actually in the in the marvel comics so um so you have a real um a personal and and long-standing connection with daredevil right pretty ancient yeah (laughs) ancient yeah it goes back it goes way back um and like you i didn't flock to it i didn't run to it i was like i mean i think we're all on to some various degree various degrees with all of us were on sort of superhero burnout you know Mm -hmm. and and uh so i'm like oh great now they're gonna you know bring back daredevil Mm -hmm. after they put out a film that i wasn't too thrilled with i don't recall when 2000 and what was daredevil 2002 three somewhere around there i can't remember we'll have to look it up yeah yeah no that yeah that movie that i never saw it because it just looked terrible did you see it Saw it in the theater yeah. and uh, tried to find things I liked about it, and I did find a few. But <laughs> okay. we'll come back to that later. I just, yeah. you know, if I couldn't really. Uh, um, I just, I was like, nah, I don't know. But then Netflix is a, you know, is a pretty good um, batting average, just yeah. in general. And uh, yeah, and yeah. and that, but your, I'll be honest with you, your first tweet did bias me because uh-huh. I obviously I trust you and respect you. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, if Eric's not digging it, and he loves superhero movies. He's taught classes on superhero movies, um, or comic book adaptations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, uh, I kind of just stayed away until yeah. you started to get more enthusiastic, <laughs> and then I watched the pilot. Yeah. Just you know, not what two weeks ago now, and and then I was crack. It was a crack pipe. You know, I was just sort of like I was on it. You know, yeah. and and kept kept loading that pipe, <laughs> you know, press and play. And watched the whole series inside of about five days. And uh, and my initial reaction is exactly what you said. Yeah, I have a long history with Daredevil. Daredevil was one of the very first comics books that I read when I was about 10 years old. 
I would go into this place called Metro News, which was a little local, um, you know, bookshop newsstand. And I would, I would actually read Daredevil uh, in the store, you know, like eating my Snickers bar or whatever. And then I would read Daredevil like cover to cover as well as a few other books, uh, comic books, and then leave. And I'd save my money that way. <laughs> and I later learned that my, my dear friend Fred also would do the same thing. And this happened to be right around the Frank – this is the Frank Miller era of Daredevil. And so it was the absolute best era. And then um, later on when I went got back into collecting comics, one of the first thing I did was go back and I bought the Electra Saga, uh, which was I think like just a four-issue reprinting of uh, several Daredevil issues, like 168 to 181. And then I went back and sort of filled in gaps, okay? And so, yeah, I mean Daredevil was was – very special comic to me. And I have to say my first impressions with the show were pretty stellar. I was I was really digging it. I was really impressed with what they were able to pull off. It felt very much like the comic, just a new interpretation of it. And to choose Kingpin is a good is a good starting point. You know, he's one of Daredevil's major um uh, antagonist. He's always a good nemesis, a good villain. He's got a good good origin story. Um, they've, you know, the, the, the comic book has a very rich sort of tapestry like history with uh, the Kingpin. Uh, and I thought that they did a great job in, in rolling that all into one 13 episode, um, arc for the first season. And, uh, and we can stay spoiler free for a while here, but eventually we're probably going to get into a little ones and we'll warn you well ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, it stars Charlie Cox as uh, Matt Murdock, um, or Daredevil. Uh, I like how, um, like to me, what what got me about the film was uh, Kingpin, who they never call Kingpin. Right, you know, they never even name him. Like it, they, he has a name, but um, you know Wilson Fisk, but they don't they don't call him that. But um, it took me a couple episodes to realize that it was Vincent D'Onofrio who I uh who I really like as an actor um be- because he 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 gained a lot of weight he's pretty big and he's bald and you know and all this but uh and he is so good and I think what what gets got me about it was was the character development of Charlie of Charlie Cox of Matt Murdock and of Wilson Fisk and you you get to a point where you know you can it's not he's not the Joker. He's not like this one dimensional. And I love the Joker and of DC and all that. But he's he's not this one dimensional bad guy. And Matt Murdock is not necessarily a one dimensional good guy either, right? Because right? he's got his own demons that he's wrestling with, as as you know, all most a lot of these heroes do, of course, you know. But he's got these um, different things pulling him in different directions, and you know he's trying to stay true to his. Uh, kind of moral compass, I guess, in a way. And I, I think it's well acted and uh and well written. And the uh the, the fight scenes that that just bore me to death in the first episode or two, they kind of get there are fewer of them as as the as the series goes on. And I don't know, they're they're filmed in a way that I, you know, I understand them and there are some pretty cool things about them you, actually. You've, you've got to give it up to that second episode, Eric, where they have that uh real time one single take shot. Yeah. Uh in the in the hallway. Yeah. So the camera stays in the <laughs> That's hallway awesome. the whole time. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I had thought about you as I was watching yeah. it and I thought I bet Eric really loved this fight sequence because yeah. it was real time 
foe by foe. And, and that was one thing that Miller and before Miller, Gene Cullen, one of the absolute all time greats of Marvel comics, uh, were really good at is sort of like that, um, gymnast, uh, illustration where you could see him bouncing off the walls and twirling and, and, you know, and throwing his stick and, and taking out multiple characters at once. Uh, and in the second episode, when when readers, uh, excuse me, when listeners do see this, they're they're going to know the scene we're talking about. It's 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 early on in Daredevil's you know official training, so uh, or, or not training, but like take you know uh, taking on the bad guy. So it's a little sloppy, but it's meant to be. It's meant to be kind of a long, uh, drawn out, uh, exhausting fight sequence, so you can see just what's going on here. I love it by the end when he's trying to throw punches and he's just like. He, it takes everything he can to throw the punch, you know, and mm-hmm. then and then he's like exhausted after he throws a punch, and then someone comes up behind him and hits him, and he's like has to take a breath because he's already beat up fifteen guys, you know, and right. it's just it's just exceptionally well done, you know that that long fight scene in episode two just served to even more uh, hook me into it, but but to your original point about the casting, I think this, the casting may be actually the strongest thing about the show. Yeah, uh, it's really hard, really, really hard to to cast Foggy. Um, Foggy uh-huh. in the book in the comic book, uh, which obviously would be their source material for it, is sort of a frumpy, good natured, sweet, take a bullet for you type friend, you know. And and this guy Alden Hansen, they got to play him. I think he really nails that. You know, mm-hmm. I think he's like he 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 nails Foggy, but just in a slightly more updated or modern way yeah that makes really, sense really well he's a perfect foil i think yeah i i think so too uh chris has joined us uh from from being away so uh chris we were just talking about the casting in daredevil and uh and just kind of our initial responses to it uh you know nick having read the comics uh as a kid and me not reading the comics as a kid and we just kind of talked about the genesis now you've watched you've watched uh the first few episodes right i've watched uh the first two uh on on netflix and um i uh i didn't read the comic either uh i i think it's okay it's not bad it's <laughs> um yeah I, I i don't i don't love it i don't deplore it uh but it's kind of i guess it's kind of um it's kind of typical it's what i expected lots of fighting lots of beating people up you got a you know you got the the stereotypical Got you know superhero uh, who has a, a noticeable flaw. Obviously, he's he's blind. Uh, you've got the cute girl. You've got the syndicate of bad guys, um, and uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty um, stock. I mean, it, it, it's it's I guess it's it's nothing nothing new. It's like oh okay, just more more people beating beating each other up. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's actually a good segue. You're kind of uh, echoing what I said earlier, and it's a good segue actually into like I think what's good about the the series, which comes after episode two, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, it's cause oh what, okay, because what, yeah, what got me was was Vincent D'Onofrio playing Wilson Fisk, and you know what? And I talked. I said, Is that the the kingpin? Is that yeah? Is that what he's mm-hmm. also called the kingpin? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, okay. And what, what I like about that is like he plays it. He's vulnerable as well. And you really get that both characters, uh, Matt Murdock and um, Wilson Fisk, are both doing what they think is best for Hell's Kitchen. Without question. And and that's what I think is interesting because because Wilson Fisk he's, he's he's like this 
he's a kingpin, right? He's in charge of all these bad guys and these syndicates and all this stuff. But he's very vulnerable. He's very isolated. Uh, he's got this love interest that is uh, – uh, interesting and, and and seems sincere and, and and unusual for him, I guess you could say. And you really get to like him as a character, or at the very least, understand him as a character. Um, and some of that's a lot of that's through Vincent D'Onofrio's um, uh, performance. A lot of it's through that performance. Going back to what Nick said about casting, and a lot of it's through the flashbacks. You know, there are a lot of flashbacks in this film. Uh, well, it's funny because yeah. I mean, we had just talked in our in, in episode you know thirty six about. Jurassic World and and it's it, it's a testament to D'Onofrio's acting when you see him in Jurassic World yeah. and this character looks and talks and sounds absolutely nothing like Wilson Fisk you know I mean and yeah. we went from from episode to episode we watched uh, something with the same actor but just completely inhabiting different you know very absolutely. very different roles with no trace of uh, of of you know, uh, not a false moment in either performance. Yeah. Yeah. I liked D'Onofrio and I, I, that was, uh, when, when, um, I think Eric was the one who told me that he's in it. That was, that actually sold me on it more than anything. I am a, I'm a big fan of, even from law and order, uh, criminal intent. Yeah. I like um, that too. I, I, I really like him and, uh, he's done a lot of independent stuff. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget him as he was Thor in Adventures in Babysitting. Uh, he was. He was. He was the, the mechanic. He, he played the mechanic, like sure. Thor guy. And uh, I really like him, so I'll probably watch it. I'll probably watch a few more episodes just for that. Um, and in a lot of these superhero um, films, the few that I watch, I usually end up rooting for the bad guy anyway. Um, I'm almost invariably always always end up rooting for the bad guy in spy in Spider-Man films. I, I always end up rooting for the the villain. So um, yeah, I'll I'll probably end up rooting for Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, a because I like him, and B because I like to root for the bad guy in in, in superhero uh, franchises. So um, I'm I'm cu- I'm curious uh, to to get to him. Um, I mean, I, I think the the season's only thirteen episodes long, yeah. so there's really no excuse for me not to finish it. If it was like a twenty or twenty four episode, I'd probably be like, no way. Right. Was, this, yeah, but uh, thirteen episodes. I mean, that's 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 doable. I mean, like any show that's worth its weight, it it takes a while to unfold. Right. Right. And and so I mean they don't even introduce the character for a while, you know, which is which is uh, yeah. a classic trope that to have everybody talk about him and fear him, not you know not and and then and then you have your ultimate reveal of the character, so because then you're going to be seeing him in every episode, so yeah. you have to do a nice build up, right? Harry Lime, right? <laughs> I did like how they had the uh, the warden from Shawshank Redemption. Oh yeah, in this yeah, in, a, this, in this show, he was uh, that, it was nice to see him yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah he's 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 wonderful uh and a major ki- if you know figure in the whole hell's kitchen operation so um for me i i'm scared here because i don't I, now it's it's tricky to talk about spoilers now that chris is in the conversation and and so what are we? How are we going to do this, Eric? What are we gonna you do? can, you can, you know we what? I'm just before. going to nip it in the bud. Just talk about it. I, 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 I don't. I am. When it comes to spoilers, I have a really weird theory on spoilers that I'll just quickly go into. Um, I, I don't. I don't care about spoilers. They don't bother me. 
they don't offend me. But then there's uh, too. <clears throat> right. Well, well, I mean, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. So, all right, they're going to be spoilers. If you haven't seen the show, stop now. Yeah. Stop listening. But now that and, said, and, and I don't know show, how much but, there is to spoil. Really, you know what I mean? There's right. not a whole lot to spoil, and we could probably talk without even spoiling anything if we wanted to. Right. I, I mean, just you know. talk the way you normally talk about yeah. the show. Um, to me, it's all about the the well, I, the I journey to get there than the actual background spoiler and, you know like why he buys that piece of art for example and mm-hmm. those yeah. particular circular storylines mm-hmm. i think those do fall into the area of spoilers you know i suppose so yeah um yeah i suppose you're right i mean I, I, yeah all i have to say about that is that they do a really good job of really explaining why he is the way he is right and I, you know, I think that without even going into into specifics, I think that's probably. I mean, is that not enough? Or no, that's enough. It's just know. that there's a lot. There's a lot of that in the series. Each character is not, you know, yeah. a simple cardboard cutout. That, right. I guess that that brings us back to the main point that I really want to make throughout this entire discussion of this series, which is. Um, Sitting there as a 10-year-old reading these comics, I never envisioned that they would one day actually bring it to life with such fidelity and reverence towards the original um, work. Uh, because that, that there's an assumption there that, that uh, screenwriters that have been hired to, a, to make these adaptations are actually trying to preserve fidelity. So often, I call it the... Uh, and I think we talked about this in the in our screenwriting episode. I, I call it the Floyd Tibbetts Ned Tebbets syndrome, which is uh, screenwriters make changes for no absolutely no reason whatsoever. Sometimes I just can't fathom or discern any <laughs> rhyme, reason, or logic to some asinine uh, change they make when like everything's been given to them on a silver platter. And I call it the Floyd Tibbetts Ned Tebbets because in Salem's Lot, the book, there's a character named Floyd Tibbetts. And in the and in the made for television movie they they call him Ned Tebbets, and it's like seriously why? like <laughs> right. Floyd Tibbets becomes Ned yeah. Tebbets, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really wanted to change it, fine, but why make it sound so similar but yet slightly different? Makes no yeah. sense to me, you know. So I was shocked to see like each character come to life and be true to their own origins, be true to their, uh, you know. I mean, th- there's there's some subtle differences with Karen Page, which I won't bother getting into, yeah. but um. Just these, the, each of these main characters, even Stick for that, for, for for example, it's it's remarkable to watch this because in the continuity that I grew up reading, um, this is a very very uh, accurate representation of Daredevil's Hell's Kitchen, and I it blew my mind. I was like, seriously? And I think, and after doing some reading online, that seems to be the general sense of those who are familiar with the comic. They're like. None of us ever expected anybody to actually take source material seriously, with the exception of like Sin City yeah. or Watchmen. You know, I mean, there's just most of the time they butcher it, you know, and make it suit the film. Yeah. But in this case, Daredevil, it's uncommon how accurate yeah. they are. How much of that do you think uh, is just uh, a testament to to how to Netflix? You know, I mean, I I, I was just going to ask that question. I was just wondering if I wonder if that has to do with the fact that it's a a Netflix vehicle. And not something that is through like a, I guess a, a quote unquote studio. I mean, Netflix is a studio now, mm-hmm. but they're not Sony. They're not. Or not they know, they're not MGM. Pressures. They're not. Yeah, they don't have the, any of these. Yeah, they don't have the pressures that some of the other studios have, and they can. Yeah. You know, at the moment, I think they have freedom to do a lot of things. So, so why not? Why not? 
just like find somebody who's going to do a good job of doing the comic, you know. But that said, also um, what Nick's saying, it's like it's a good, it's an accurate representation, but it's also set in in the current Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's established really only by like one by maybe like one reference, which I didn't even understand in the first episode where they says they mentioned the event. Oh, about the event. And I'm like, what event are they talking about? Like, I think it was episode one. And yeah. I'm like, what are they talking about? I thought they were talking about nine 11, but I'm like, why would they? S- first, uh, yeah. And then I thought about it. You know? Yeah. I think I, I, there was another reference to superheroes and that, that then I was like, Oh, they're talking about that thing in, in the Avenger, the first Avengers movie. <laughs> Exactly. Where, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, so they are like making reference to that universe, but otherwise it's, it's pretty hermetically sealed, you know? I, yeah, it's Marvel tev- television, so I think it's, it's, it's antecedent, but that was through, I think, ABC or something mm-hmm. was uh, what, what, what the spinoff from, from a, uh, Agent Carter. Uh, no, no the, the Agent Carter thing, right? Or, and, then, and then the Marvel's. Yeah, the 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 Agents of Shield, and then the Agent Carter Carter one off. Mm-hmm. I think they're all that's going to be related just because it's the same parent company. But right. I happen to think that you guys are probably right, really onto something here. That a lot of this has to do with Netflix as well as just getting the right people involved as showrunners. Um, so your 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 partner, it's like an HBO working relationship. You're partnering up with a with an entity that's going to let you call the shots and wants you to do quality television you know quality programming and aren't going to necessarily dictate um how you how you go about doing it and the result seems to be these 13 really excellent episodes i was i found you know and and this film excuse me this series has some wonderful tie-ins to just contemporary society towards you know i mean like when when we're talking about i mean i love i love the the entire a subplot with the journalism in the newspapers and and what sells and who's covering all this stuff yeah. and I love the uh, the idea that Fisk has the you know the, the police force bought I love yeah. the fact that he's got the courts bought yeah. I love the fact that he he basically you know has everybody bought um, because is, I mean that's the age we live in and his big play was to try to use the media against Matt yeah, Murdock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, that's Good point, huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, Nick, do you notice similarities between, and I, I didn't, I, I had only like thought about this in the back of my mind, on, but it made me think about it when you started talking about this. Do you notice similarities between uh, Daredevil and The Wire? Mm. The way, The way they play out kingpin's ownership quote-unquote ownership of hell's kitchen in new york and the way that the various different um apparatuses control are you know kind of intertwined in baltimore yeah i mean just on that level i would see a connection um beyond that though no okay i was just i was just curious yeah. i don't know how well it's in yet. a you know urban setting it, it does talk about journalism a lot right there's a lot of that i don't get much beyond that i don't think you know, it's not as gritty, but it, but it ha- well, it's gritty, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not as, I mean, gritty. well, let's think of it. Are there any, how many people of color are there in it? Uh, let's see. We have the journalist, right? Let's <laughs> most everyone's white, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It is pretty. I noticed that <laughs> yeah. too. It is pretty, um, pretty whitewashed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, a lot um, of, a lot of superhero films are, um, but it's, it's pretty whitewashed. I mean, as compared to the wire, I mean, you know, 
Right. Well, yeah, as compared yeah. to the wire. But yeah, yeah, we're, oh, even we're the only like, white people are the are the cops <laughs> in the wire, right? Right, right. You know? That's true. Um, That's true. You know, it's, it's I think it's treating a whole different thing. You know, and and the bad guys, some of the bad guys, the, the non Wilson Fisk bad guys are like comic book bad guys. You know, yeah. in, in a lot of ways. So. I think everybody's a com- kind of a comic book character. <laughs> yeah, show. but you have you have to get further in. Oh, okay. seriously, All you have right. to get further in because when I watched the uh, first one. First two, even I was like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't convinced until four or five when it, when when Wilson Fisk comes in for real. So okay, yeah, All right. yeah, the 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 guys with the accents and the the yeah. the the, yeah. Chi- the Russian guys and the yeah. Chinese guys. Yeah. I I mean, in the first episode, I was I I admit I was rolling my eyes. I'm like, oh my god, you got the Chinese and the Russians, and I'm just waiting for the Italians to come in here and make a make a make a appearance. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, there are you know real. We life should move on. To be made between <laughs> the mafia and the heroin wars. I mean, that's not not you know that's not being conjured out of thin air. <laughs> oh boy! No, it's not being conjured out of thin air. But it just the the way the characters were the characters were written and they were played. It just it seemed borderline. Borderline I think you hokey. Might be rolling your eyes a little bit more if they're all cooking pasta and four hundred pounds. And, I mean, then, then you know, Italian American mafia stereotypes. I mean, I think no matter what you write, making you know, you, got What mafia do we make it then? The generic uh, <laughs> humanoid mafia. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but it's like you guys got the the the, the guys with the intense accents and the chi- the silent Chinese woman. I'm like, oh my god, really? Give me a break. Yeah, but that's all a result of, of you know of of colonial imperialism and the heroin wars of China, right? Right, you know, right, right. The no, trade routes right. through India, the exploitation. The, uh, I mean, that's it's 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 only fitting that the, I mean if you're going to have someone that was going to be distributing heroin, that there'd be a Chinese connection there because that's what we created. That's what white colonial invaders did. Right, so. right. That yeah, right. Okay. All right, that's fine. No, that you you are you are one thousand percent correct. You are one thousand, and maybe maybe I'm picking on it too much. And I I I will say before I can, what? Or you're looking for fault? Or I'm looking. Maybe maybe I'm looking for fault. But um, before I um I weigh in, uh, with a with a complete opinion of the show, I will I will I will watch more of it. And if not, finish it. And I will, um, I guess, during pickups during in our ne- during our next episode, um, I will I will us. kind of yeah I will update okay. you and whether I thought oh you know yeah it was really good or no it was you know I I was you know I was I slept through that's, that sounds like good that. yeah I like that I did, on episode thirty eight when you come in you'll be like oh well and you can update us on what you thought I think that's yeah I will great. I will and for the rest of our listeners for our listeners I know Nick and I wholeheartedly um, recommend it if you haven't seen it already um, if I were to give know. any critiques first end of first uh, season critiques it would be one. Would be I love you know and I'm going to bastardize Nietzsche's quote, but you know those those who hunt monsters should not become monsters themselves. You know I mean that 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 is one of my you know all time favorites. But uh, so you'd think I'd get it accurate, but um, <laughs> it it's uh, that's one of the the central tenets of Daredevil's character. But it's a bit it's a bit concentrated in this season, and and so we do get a lot of that polemic in him. Episode after episode, yeah, uh, and I think it gets a little a little tiresome, yeah. you know. Like, you know, you're becoming what you hate, yeah, and and then the other thing, of course, is that uh, um, this would only really be a critique, I think, from people who are big readers of the comic, and that is, 
they don't they don't have him use his uh, powers uh, as much in the show as they do in the comic. Yeah. So those heightened sense, the, his heightened sense of smelling, his heightened sense of of hearing and things like that, um, is so intensely acute that you know there's the, the amount of things that he can discern from all that are really really phenomenal yeah. and they, they kind of just sort of lightly lightly go into that i think yeah. and, I think and they, they, I think could, they, they could develop a little bit more i think they sufficiently establish it later on you know like in, in the middle of the season when he's explaining it to somebody i think it's pretty sufficiently yeah, i guess, I guess there's know. enough it's just that like yeah. in certain scenes i'm watching it i would go well that wouldn't happen yeah. to devil because he yes. can do this and so you know uh, like, right right <laughs> Right, but that's that's yeah. nerd nerdy sort of fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm, right. I'm guilty of, of uh, admitting here, but um, nah, man, it's I'm 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 thrilled with the first season, and, yeah, and I heard that they cast Elektra for the second, and I was very disappointed with the way they treated Elektra in the Daredevil movie. So they they crammed a uh, one sixty eight to one eighty one thirty issue story arc into a hundred minute movie. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of these fail, I think. Okay, yeah. good. Well, thanks for listening to episode number 36. Uh, if you want to give feedback, you can go to uh, thatsrapshow.com. You can find us on Facebook and uh, Twitter as well. We do appreciate iTunes reviews or Stitcher reviews wherever you listen to us. And uh, if you'd like to support us on a more financial level, you can uh, go to Patreon and and uh, throw some money our way on a per-episode basis, or uh, if you'd like to support us without actually spending extra money that you don't have, if you uh, shop on Amazon.com, go to our website first and click on a link there uh, on our affiliate link, and we'll get a little kickback, and that's a good way for you to show your love as well. And uh, for That's a Wrap, I'm Eric Marshall. And I'm Nick Schlegel. And I'm Christopher Gullen. All right. See you next time. That's a wrap. I'm kind of bummed that we didn't call, uh, we didn't draw Chris out on the Captain America thing. Oh God! Don't even get me started. <laughs> Seriously, it made, it, made, it made Transformers look like Citizen Kane. I mean, it just he seems, seems like kind of a pussy to me.